BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. So I'm a father of what? I got to find a babysitter. I found Care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out Care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Leadership matters. It matters a lot. There's an old, old saying. I don't know who came up with it. I probably should look it up, but I don't do research for the show. There's an old saying in combat that says, it is better to have an army of donkeys led by a lion than an army of lions led by a donkey. Leadership does matter. And sometimes for us 
more rebellious types, that can be difficult to take in, but it's true. And in any society, be it be a, a, a tiny tribe somewhere or a mega powerful nation, there are going to be men who rise to the top in that society. Extremely wealthy, successful men, and they are going to be hugely influential in the direction of that society. That's not uniquely American or anything else. That's the history of the world. The history of the world says that is a fact. And here's what we're not going to do tonight when we talk about America's billionaires. What we're not going to do is the wealth envy thing, because I don't do that. I'm never going to come on here and tell you this guy's evil because he's rich. I don't do that. If you desire to have a lot of money, go make it. And I bless you to it. I cheer for everybody's success. It's fine. We're not doing wealth envy, all right? We're never going to do that. However, we are... We're now forced to acknowledge that we have a real problem here in America. And it's not, it's not that we have a bunch of billionaires. It's not that we have a bunch of guys who are extremely wealthy. It's that these guys who are extremely wealthy and buying up everything and controlling all the things you and I consume with our eyes and our ears and our mouth, it's that these guys, they hate you. And they hate me. You see, it's not a problem to have a wealthy guy, super successful, guiding a country in a certain direction. That's not a problem unless that direction is out to destroy everything you and I care about. And the Mark Zuckerbergs, Jeff Bezos, George Soros, these guys, they hate you. Bill Gates, they hate you. They hate what you believe. They think it's evil. And they're taking this massive amount of power they have, and they're using it against you and using it against me. And this is an extremely unhealthy place for a nation to be. We are in an unhealthy place. So, I, I mean, look, there's something that happens out there. This happens all the time on the right. And it shouldn't happen, but it happens. We'll see an actor or actress. Let's th focus on movies for a moment. And we'll see them saying something crazy. Something stupid. They'll get up at the Oscars. Uh, yeah, open the borders or something dumb. Yeah, they're always saying that stuff. And what do we do? You've said it. I'm sure I've said it in the past. <laughs> nobody thinks, nobody cares what George Clooney thinks. That's not true. You can wish that were the case. I can wish that were the case. But movies have a huge, huge influence on a population. It's not an accident. And no, I'm not comparing anybody today to Nazi Germany. I, I don't do that. That's so ham-fisted. I don't do that. It's not an accident. It was one of the main focuses of Nazi Germany. It was one of the main focuses of, of Stalin when he, when he was running the Soviets. It was one of the main focuses of Mao. It was the, and I mean the main focus of the Korean dictator Kim Jong-il. They all were all about the movie life. Now, why do you think that is? They knew this stuff matters. When you gather your family up in the car and take off on a Sunday afternoon after church, and you go sit in the movie theater, and you get your $9 popcorn and your soda and your candy. I'm not judging you. I've done it a thousand times. And you all kick back and watch the big two-hour event. Yeah, you're probably just being entertained, maybe influenced a little, but entertained. 
they're being more than entertained. Your children are being educated in what's right and wrong. Your movie industry, you can hate this all you want. I don't care. Your movie industry does matter. What's your movie industry like today? Ask Gina Carano how the movie industry is today. She didn't even say anything overtly right-wing. This is a woman who the left came for because of a meme she put on Instagram. Because they demanded that this woman put her pronouns in her bio and she wouldn't do it. It's not even that you can't be on the right. You have to show complete compliance to the communist gods or they will come for you. And I don't expect you to care about Star Wars. Maybe you love it. Maybe you hate it. Maybe you care about The Last Jedi, even it was garbage. None of that stuff matters to me. The Mandalorian, any of it. None of that matters to me. But you have to understand, it does matter to society as a whole. It does matter. One of the, and it goes well beyond the movies. Remember, what your eyes consume and your ears consume will go in here. It is just, it is inevitable. It's a fact. It's how we're made. Jeff Bezos, you know, gigantic owner of Amazon, richest man in the world, even post-divorce, the guy's the richest man in the world. He wasn't happy just shipping you boxes of stuff you like. Jeff Bezos owns one of the biggest newspapers in the country, the Washington Post. What's the Washington Post have to say about things? Well, a real mess. Trump is leaving behind a crisis and undermining Biden before he takes office. Oversight report calls Trump administration response to pandemic a failure. Quote, I just want to find 11,780 votes. An extraordinary hour-long phone call. Trump pressures Georgia's Secretary of State to recalculate the vote in his favor. All those things 100% twisted and false. All those things brought to you by one of the largest newspapers in the United States of America. Owned by... The same guy who owns Amazon. And I wonder why, hmm, I wonder why Amazon would want the pandemic to continue. It's weird, right? I guess if you check the stock numbers over the last year, it's not so weird after all. They can, they, they convince you of things without you even knowing it. Do you remember the big Facebook push? You remember it? Prior to the election, you remember what it was? Make sure you mail in your vote. Mail in your vote. Get out there and mail in your vote. Go mail in your vote. Of course, mail in your vote. Everyone should mail your vote. Mail your vote, everybody. Well, no, there's nothing nefarious to it. It's just mail in the vote. Get out the vote. You've seen all the get out the vote campaigns. The millions and millions and millions of dollars these gigantic leftist tech companies have sunk into getting out the vote. Hmm, that's weird. Oh, but wait, it's more than that. They control who does and doesn't have a platform. Remember, between Facebook and Twitter alone, that's 2.6 billion users. Every day, a new conservative gets snipped and gets snipped and gets snipped where you can say the most detestable things on the left. You'll be just fine. You see, this is becoming a really, really, really big problem. Not that we have a bunch of billionaires. Good for us. Woohoo! Not that being a billionaire is an issue. If you want to be one, if that's your life's desire, go. Go make yourself one. But that the men who are right now 
they are taking us in a very dangerous direction. And it's way beyond social media. It's way beyond movies. This is, you remember the stock market, right? The GameStop thing? I'm not going to recap the whole thing for you. It was a really entertaining news story for about a day. But you remember the GameStop thing. They figured out some hedge fund was massively shorting GameStop stock. And just a bunch of dudes on an, on an online forum get on there. Doot, 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 and all of a sudden, they shoot the stock up. And the hedge fund starts getting hurt, right? We got a bunch of billionaires getting hurt. What happened? We had apps like Robinhood stopping you from doing it anymore. Oh, sorry, you can't do that anymore. With no explanation whatsoever. And they tried to go on this lame apology tour after. Oh, look, uh, uh, they didn't have the money. Uh, uh. This is a big, big deal. The people who lead our society, actively working to remake our society into something you and I don't like, is a problem. It is a problem we are going to have to address in some way. And the problem is... I don't know of a comfortable way to address it, but we have to be aware of it. Maybe we all need to start there. What you're consuming is affecting you, and it is dang sure affecting your kids. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. We have a dynamite show for you tonight. Hang on, you're going to want to see Carol Roth tonight, by the way. We'll be back. Well, he's one of my favorite guests because there was nobody, nobody more out front about what was going to happen in the 2020 election than Alan Bakari. He's an investigative journalist with Breitbart News. He has that book I tell you to read every single time he comes on called Deleted. And look, this headline, honestly, it says it all right here. Report, Mark Zuckerberg's $419 million nonprofit contributions improperly influenced a 2020 presidential election. I don't understand, Alan, what could be wrong with just trying to tell people to get out to vote? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the uh, the modus operandi of Silicon Valley. They always conceal their intentions behind some nice sounding uh, girl, whether it's Google's don't be evil or Facebook's so-called election integrity efforts. In the, in the case of the uh, recent election, election integrity meant flooding uh, Democrat districts with uh, with money directed at turnout campaigns and of course suppressing all conservative media on their platforms how bad has the censorship been since the actual election and since they dumped donald trump they dumped trump right away and i assume they were going to just go ahead and come for all of us in about the next week or so but they seem to have slowed down or is that in my mind well, they never do everything all at once, and uh, they also respond to pressure from uh, left-wing pressure groups like Media Matters, from the mainstream media. So it's like a, it's a slow process. It's you know boiling the frog slowly. If they did it all at once, they'd generate a massive revolt. And I think they realize actually that when they banned President Trump, it actually got a lot more backlash from around the world than I think even they were expecting. You had the president of Mexico, the chancellor of Germany, ministers in the French government, the Australian government, uh, uh, the Polish government, the Russian government, and the Russian opposition all saying, well, this, you know, Silicon Valley is going too far to censor an elected leader. So I think they recognize that uh, there are lines they can cross, 
But I don't think that's going to stop them in the long run because they'll just keep, you know, chipping away at internet freedom until it's completely gone. You know, Poland's an interesting cat. I I don't know that there's anybody out there more aware of what it's like to live under a totalitarian regime than the country that got spit-roasted by Nazi Germany and the communists during World War II. And they're out here passing anti-big tech legislation, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I think Poland is really a model for what uh, most people around the world, especially those on uh, on, on the populist dissident side of politics, want. They're going to establish a court for the protection of freedom of expression. And if any social media platform takes down content that's legal in Poland, then Polish citizens will be able to go to that court, get their post reinstated, get their account reinstated. And I think that's uh, that's the direction I think more and more countries will go. And I think they'll they don't like this idea that uh, Silicon Valley can go beyond what the what the law prescribes. It's only in America, and really only the Democrat Party, that wants to use these tech companies as a means to uh, to censor their op- their uh, their opposition and their critics. Because in America, you have the First Amendment, so getting around the law, which is the First Amendment, is the whole point. Why aren't we doing that? I I, I have to be honest. I'm so disappointed in America. When I see other countries, even Poland, leading the charge on freedom, and we're, we're getting scolded by other nations about our, uh, Russia's lecturing us about censorship. What has happened? When did this happen? Uh, well, it all happened really very quickly. I think uh, 2016 was kind of the catalyst for all this, but it's been blindingly fast, especially when you consider what the internet was supposed to be. The internet was supposed to be this this massive leap forward for free expression, you know, the democratization of information. The whole ideal of the internet was that you only needed a laptop and an internet connection or a mobile phone to access a global audience, and no one could get between your message and the people who wanted to read it. That ideal has been completely destroyed over the past four years, and it really happened happened uh, because of two things, I think, because of the election of Donald Trump, the success of populist movements, and because the mainstream media saw their uh, their market share, their dominance disappearing, uh, you know, under threat from these new uh, upstart media co- uh, companies on the internet from ordinary citizen journalists. And that's why they spent four years dismantling uh, the original ideal of the internet. Alan, for the most part, our billionaires suck. They're either hardcore left-wing activists like the ones we've been talking about, or if they're on the right, they're too scared to open their mouths and they just don't do anything for the most part. Is Europe going through that same thing? Um, I would say uh, in, in Europe, it's more like it's the, the, the government's in charge. It's not the billionaires. So, uh, you know, and while these European governments, they may have even, you know, Germany spoke out, as we said, you know, spoke out against the censor of Donald Trump, you know, m- pretty mildly, but they did speak out against it. But these countries, they all have hate speech laws, but uh, they set the terms. So they, they decide what's hate speech and what is and what can be punished and what can't be punished. They don't like the idea of Silicon Valley coming in and setting their own rules. So I think the trend in Europe that we're going to see is governments taking back power from Silicon Valley companies and saying, hey, we're in charge, not you. Alan, I'm not going to lie. Bill Gates creeps me out. And I'm not actually, I'm not trying to be mean. He creeps me out. It's not even just the vaccine stuff. He seems to be involved in each and every part of things that I believe are destroying this country and Western civilization. Hardcore environmentalism. He's out there now funding math is racist programs. What is Bill Gates' deal? 
it's it's hard to comprehend the motivations of these people. I mean, uh, I can't speak uh, much about Bill Gates, but like he seems to be one of these. He's part of the whole philanthropy culture now, and the whole philanthropy culture is very much tied to these globalist ideals. Whether it's uh, uh, you know, as, as you said, you know, combating systemic racism or pushing environmentalism, uh, getting us all to eat bugs to save the planet. All, all of these things come from this sort of, you know, very small club of globalists who hang out at Davos every year. And Bill Gates is very much a part of that of that culture. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the, the problem with the billionaires, I think, is that they all kind of think the same way. Uh, we, uh, you know, just look at look at the leaders of Google in that leaked tape that we published on Breitbart News uh, a few years ago. Uh, right out of the election, they're at a town hall meeting, and you know, some of the most powerful people in technology all on uh, all on stage addressing their employees after the election, and they all seem to think the same way. They all had their same visceral emotional reaction to this election. So when you have that level of uh, concentrated wealth and power, you know, that's bad enough. But when they all think the same way, then you've got a huge problem on your hands. Tell me about Google. Tell me about these, because I see things like this. Report, Facebook let China buy ads to spread disinfo on Uyghur concentration camps. And I know this bleeds into Google. I know this bleeds into everything else. What is this relationship with Google and big tech and Facebook and China? Why the China love? I'm not sure if it's China loves it. Well, with Google, it certainly is, because they were thinking of uh, building a... Uh, a censored search engine for a while until they got so much backlash that they had to drop it. Uh, I think a lot of the tech companies realize that it's too risky to you know, try and do business in China at the moment because uh, they saw the backlash over Google's project there. You know, I'm sure they very much liked it. China's a massive market, a huge business opportunity there. Uh, a lot of companies are uh, you know, probably a little bit silently upset that uh, the, Trump the Trump administration changed policy on China so that now it's socially and politically unacceptable for uh, companies to cozy up to them. Uh, but the other thing to remember, I think why it, sometimes see, why it sometimes seems like the tech companies go soft on China is because they respond to cues from the Democrats and from the mainstream media. And over the past four years, the entire narrative has been about Russian collusion, Russian election interference, because that was a way that the media thought they could attack Donald Trump, they could get him impeached and all the rest. So I think uh, that's why uh, these companies seem to have placed... Uh, so little emphasis on China in relation to Russia. It's because Russia was so inflated over the past four years uh, because of the you know the mainstream media's uh, panic and conspiracy theories about it. Yeah. Alan Bakari, go read all his stuff. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Thanks, Jesse. We'll be back. Everybody loves watching a good fight, right? Especially when it's billionaires squaring off. I mean, I don't know who to root for ever when it comes to these things, but apparently Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are not fast friends. Musk was asked for a comment from Washington Post, which of course is owned by Jeff Bezos. Quote, Tesla did not respond to repeated requests for comment. In response to emails seeking comment, Musk replied, give my regards to your puppet master. Well... Joining me now to talk about that and other things, creator of the Future File Legacy Planning System in the Roth Effect podcast, Carol Roth. Carol, what's the story between Bezos and Musk? I think everyone just assumes billionaires always party on the same yachts together. 
All right, so I have to do my Mr. Burns impression. Excellent. Very excited. We get to talk uh, about the billionaires. Uh, um, I think I this do. is like a, a, a leftover from Model Rocket Club in high school, right? This is, uh, you know, who can get their Model Rocket uh, higher. It's a Model Rocket measuring contest, I guess. Um, you've got two guys who are amongst, depending on the day, the wealthiest men on the planet. Obviously, it takes a lot of um, charisma and government help, by the way, to get to that level. And so they are going back and forth and competing with each other, but they both come from very different perspectives. And so I think um, some of the back and forth with them is just they're operating in different universes, no pun intended. Okay. All right. All right. We're, we're switching gears from the billionaire fight as much as I'd love to stay on. You know what? Actually, no. I have one more thing. The right is starting to fall in love with Elon Musk. Elon Musk has been a voice for some of the things the right likes recently. But I am by nature a distrustful human being, especially when it comes to somebody with that level of success. Not that I begrudge anyone that. I just am naturally distrustful. Should I be distrustful, Carol? It, well, I think everyone should always be skeptical of everyone. And I think that Elon, um, despite the fact he's obviously very talented and, and smart, is not consistent on areas of things like individual rights and government intervention. As I alluded to, he's built his businesses, whether it's Tesla, uh, SpaceX, Solar City, which got merged into to Tesla on the back of government subsidies. He's for UBI. So, you know, he likes to play both sides of the coin. And at the end of the day, and this is just my opinion, Elon Musk wants to get the heck off this planet and get to Mars. And so he will say anything and do anything to use other people's capital and resources to get to that end goal. And that's what's driving all of this. Why are people so fascinated with space? I mean, am I just a bad person? I'm the only person in the world who doesn't ever care about space. I don't care that we land on the moon. I don't care that somebody snapped and took some ugly pictures of Mars. Well, I, we are here on this planet, and that's the only one I care about. Is that just because I'm a bad person? No, I think, I mean, it kind of depends if you're the kind of person who does drugs, right? It's escapism. Some people escape by <laughs> doing heroin and meth, and some people want to literally escape by pretending they can get into a rocket ship and get off there. At the end of the day, you can't escape yourself. Um, so you and I are probably grounded in the realism that, you know, we enjoy ourselves, and so why would we want to escape ourselves? Uh, but for the people who don't, that's one method that they can pursue for escape. You know what? That's a really good point, Carol. It's just because I you. love me. All right. Bitcoin. Let's pretend like I just woke up from an 80-year coma. I need Carol Roth to explain to me what is Bitcoin at all. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to just caveat this by saying I am not the world's expert in cryptocurrency or Bitcoin in particular. But the idea behind it, um, kind of like any of these anti-government movements is decentralization. Right now in the United States, we have a central bank that controls our money supply, the same thing with central banks around the world. And so a bunch of people on the internet got together and said, wouldn't it be cool if we could decentralize money and decentralize finance? And so you'll hear things like blockchain and cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and DeFi uh, for these concepts, which again, in concept, are a very good thing. And I think potentially people will be able to figure it out. But when you think about something like money, 
you know, it's a store of value, it's a unit of account, and it's a medium of exchange. And right now, Bitcoin isn't really doing very well in any of those. You know, in terms of a, a unit of exchange, it's not widely accepted, and it's hard to use with these wa digital wallets in order to sort of access Bitcoin. Um, you know, the value of it fluctuates wildly. So, in terms of it being sort of this stable currency, I personally, uh, both literally and figuratively, have not bought into it, but do like the idea that people can take the power away from a centralized body in terms of controlling the money supply. I do think that's a good thing. So we're at the, in the early innings of this. I'm sure it will all sort itself out. But, um, you know, that's that's a, the, the very small primer on Bitcoin. Is this something that's going to actually be... Look, I don't know anything about it. I'm not buying it. I, I invest in the safest things humanly possible. But uh, is this one of these things that's going to bail out the guy who was hoarding it as soon as these people managed to collapse our dollar? So it's possible. Um, you know, it's one of the problems, as I mentioned, with Bitcoin is that it hasn't been really stable in terms of its value. If you've been following it, it's been going up and up and up, which, again, if it was this sort of stable store of value um, that you it's very difficult to have that stability when you don't really know what the price is. And so it does seem to me, um, again, and I'm caveating this, that I am not the expert. I'm just kind of looking at it from the sidelines, is that it's just shifting the power and control to the people who got in early um, versus you know, really spreading it out. So that is uh, a concern. And you, you'll see the people who obviously got in early and have large stakes in it are obviously highly enthusiastic about it because it's to their benefit for other people to buy in. Um, that in of itself doesn't make it a bad thing, but it certainly should make you want to investigate further and think about both sides. Um, but certainly I do think the desire to have a cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin or something else, something that is decentralized, does stem from that underlying fear of what's, you know, what are these central planners doing? What's the Fed doing? What happens if and when the, the dollar collapses and wanting to, and it, whether it's gold or cryptocurrency or, or having some other mechanism to defend against that. Don't you think beaches are overrated? I've never been a beach guy. I, I've, I've, it's, it's not that I have a problem with the ocean. I love a little tiki bar as much as the next man, but the sand is everywhere. It gets kind of boring after a while. Am I alone in this? I, I really feel like we share a brain. That's exactly my issue with it. The, the right? sand, if they could replace the sand with something else, like maybe like AstroTurf or something, or, or grass, yes. like I would really be yes. in all, but like, you don't want to, I mean, it gets all over, and, you know, it's always in your shoes, it's in your luggage for like 10 days. And like you said, you know, it, it's after so, like some point in time, like, what are you doing? Like, there's just, there's not enough activity. So I also, I like the view of water. Like I like it to be near, but I don't need to be on the beach to enjoy it. <laughs> 100%, 100%. at the Tiki Bar, Carol. All right, the market. Is it scaring you? Is it intriguing you? Obviously, I'm not asking for specific financial advice right now, but under Joe Biden, what's it doing? So, you know, I mean, we're we're not that far into the Joe Biden administration. Um, and, and frankly, presidents only have so much impact on the market. The bigger issue 
with the market that scares me is the amount of support that the Fed has put in. And I say support, you can call it meddling, you can call it intervention, but there is definitely um, a lifting up of asset prices in the markets. And that is not sustainable. If you look at the valuations of some of these companies, they're not based on anything other than the fact that there's just a lot of dollars chasing a limited supply of securities. So I am concerned um, in the mid to long term, you know, whether that's going to happen right away, probably not. We've got some more stimulus. We have some more money that's coming in to artificially inflate the market, but that is going to fall apart at some point in time. When, if I knew I'd had that crystal ball, I'd be sitting on a yacht in the Mediterranean, which I like better than the beach, and not talking to you, but thinking of you, of course, Jesse. Of course. Carol Roth, thank you so much, ma'am. I like the idea of a yacht. I want a yacht. I'm going to have to keep working for a while. All right, we'll be back. We've talked a lot about billionaires, this billionaire and that billionaire. George Soros's name always comes up in some way. I mean, he's he's become this boogeyman for the right where you have to sift through what is real and what's not real. But here's something that is real. Funded, groups funded by George Soros. Over 30 outlets in the mainstream media, including Media Matters. That's some group of scumbags. They focus on getting shows removed off the air, any show they don't like. Hillary Clinton's campaign for president. Black Lives Matter. Maybe you've heard of that domestic terrorist group. And over 500 Democratic Party organizations. Joining me now is my friend, conservative host, John Cardillo. John, George Soros, what's real, what's not real? No, it's all real. Everything you're saying is real. I've been exposing this going back to about 2012. And interestingly enough, New York State's Attorney General's office has a very good website when it comes to finding out who nonprofits donate to. And George Soros' Open Societies Foundation, all of their tax returns are on that website. Many other states as well. I think right now about 37 states require that. Even going back as far as 2012, 13, 2014, when NYPD officers Lou and Ramos were killed by someone who was affiliated with the early stages of the Black Lives Matter movement, you could track the money via these tax returns from SEIU, the Service Employee International Union, that far-left union, but most importantly, George Soros's foundations. He was making investments in these radical groups 10 years ago alongside these Marxist unions, etc. So when guys like you and I talk about this and we're called conspiratorial, it's infuriating because there is a literal, Jesse, a literal paper trail of the funding. And it's a matter of it's a matter of public information. Anyone can access it. The mainstream media, they choose not to. John, help me understand as best you can why? What is it with this guy? Because I'll tell you, everything you just said is 100% right. And the more I look into it, it looks like a long-term focused effort to bring down the United States of America. I don't have another way to put it than that. That's what it looks like. Is, is it that? Yeah. And if so, why? What's this guy's problem? You know, I, I think it is that. But I think part of the reason is something no one's looking at. And to me, it's been glaringly obvious. George Soros is a billionaire due in large part to arbitrage, the buying and selling of money. If George Soros can devalue and short the U.S. dollar, 
he makes billions upon billions of dollars. And what better way to do that than with civil unrest and destabilizing this nation? What better way to do that than with institutional leftist policies that bankrupt the American treasury? And I think that's a big part. If you look at Soros's fortune, especially earned from arbitrage, when these things go down, he makes a lot of money, Jesse. Yeah, it it all seems so nefarious, but I guess in general, oftentimes with these guys, it comes down to money. I mean, look, I've been the one on the record saying I think Bill Gates is a megalomaniac who would murder millions of people and not lose a second of sleep and think he was a good guy doing it. I agree. We have Bill Gates is now the owner. He's the largest farmland owner in the country. 250,000 acres. We're supposed to uh, eat synthetic beef, take Bill Gates' vaccine, do everything Bill Gates tells us to do. Oh, and according to Bill Gates, math is racist. This, again, I, I, I think these people are evil. Yeah, and you know, fortunately, Bill Gates is the largest individual farmland owner in the country. But there are large families that own this land under corporations. For example, the Armstrong family down in Texas that owns the famous King Ranch. They've got about 850,000 acres. They tend to swing a little more conservative. And I think that in the states where there is a big agriculture presence, here in Florida, for example, I have friends, a couple of very high net worth families, they own a couple of hundred thousand acres collectively, and they're galvanizing now to make sure that none of that land is sold off to these leftists with these bizarre, like, anti-human policies. This guy is like one of these environmental wacko terrorists at this point who would kill off humans for some bizarre, misguided agenda. John, how did we shift as a country? I mean, there was a time in this country, love them or hate them, where our billionaires, our, our Rockefellers, Vanderbilts, all these, all these guys, there was a time where they were all the Republicans. I mean, they were all the, the, the stereotypical Republican with the cigar in their mouth and the $900 glass of whiskey. All of our billionaires yeah. now, and billionaires matter, they're all these nutjobs who hate the place. When did this shift happen? You know, it's incredible. I'm reading Atlas Shrugged again, the Ayn Rand book, and, and you're so right, and it's we pivoted 180 from that, from who the producers are ideologically, the inventors, the creators, who they were ideologically to who they are. I think the shift, Jesse, has to be a political one. I think it needs to come at the state level. The federal level, we're shot. The Biden administration is a regime. Michael Anton wrote a great piece in American Greatness last week. He calls it the regime, and I think it's outstanding. We need to do this at the state level and not just the state legislative level. We've got to get very serious about putting a GOP farm team in place at the county and state level because now we don't. We've got to get those people elected to national positions, ascend up the America First conservatives in the party, ascend them up to the RNC and take over the RNC from within with people that truly love this nation and want to get back to real conservative basics. Okay, I agree with you when it comes to the the local guys. I've been telling people that all the time. Pack your school boards with your ideology. Pack your city councils, mayors, state rep seats. What I hear when I bring that up a lot, though, is our billionaires, our rich guys, we have plenty to... They don't fund these local things like the left does. The, lo- the, left will, the left will pack a school board just to pack a school board, and these guys won't want for money. How do we open up the purse strings on our side? It has to be there. That's the problem. I mean, really is, man. That's the one that makes guys like me who, you know, when I'm not doing media work, I work quite a bit trying to make this party an America First Party again. Our high net worth people don't see local elections, local politics, state level politics as romantic, as exciting, as sexy. We need to explain to them that's triple A ball. The New York Yankees don't win the World Series. You don't become the New York Yankees. 
You don't become a championship team if you don't have a robust farm system. The Republican Party is terrible. They are absolutely terrible at cultivating our farm system, at finding good new talent, putting them on the bench, cultivating them, and then sending them up. We've got to be much better at that, and we've got to explain to the high net worth people, that the donors, that that's where you weaponize your money. That's where you actionize your money, not by being one of many donors to a congressman to a congresswoman, finding that new breed of candidate that'll fundamentally change the party and make you wealthier, make you more powerful, be better for your family, your life, your business. John, I've been, I, when I tell people to run for office, I get this a lot from people. Uh, I, I'm, I'm too scared, or I can't run for school board. I, I've never been a teacher, or I don't even have kids or something like that anymore. Can we please get the message across to people? It doesn't matter. Get in there and push your values. It doesn't. That's what they're doing. Don't get in there and be a little mouse either. Get in there and push your values. Our culture has to stand for something. Yeah, I suggest everybody read that 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 uh, short Teddy Roosevelt uh, essay, "The Man in the Arena." And basically, it's not the critic who counts. It's if you're not in the fight, your your opinion really doesn't matter. Get into the fight in some way because otherwise. You're just somebody on the sidelines yelling, yelling at the air. Nobody really cares. You've got to do. You've got to get involved. Become a precinct committee person. Run for school board. Run for city council. Look, a guy uh, that retired at the NYPD, a guy went through the academy with a rookie, lived in a town in upstate New York, didn't like what was going on. He ran for the city planning commission. He won. Now he's actually making a difference about the things that concerned him. These things are doable, they're attainable, and you have a lot more power than you realize once you do them. John, for those who don't know, John's former NYPD. John, why are you in Florida now and not New York? We are, I moved down 17 years ago and I never looked back. Look, the city changed tremendously after 9-11. What I saw it becoming uh, into the, uh, you know, the Bloomberg administration, he was a little heavy handed, but he was tough on crime. I, I disagree with Michael Bloomberg on about everything. The only thing Bloomberg did right was that he left the NYPD alone. Crime declined because he left Rudy Giuliani's strategies in place. He knew they worked. Ray Kelly was a good commissioner. He left it all in place at work. I left in 04 because I just grew up in New York. It was a little bit of malaise in the city after 9-11. But after uh, de Blasio entered office, I could never go back. He has has truly, truly destroyed a city that anybody would have thought was the unsinkable Molly Brown, right? The Blasio has been able to destroy that city in under a year. John Cardillo, thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you. Anytime, man. Thanks. Look, he's right about that man in the arena stuff, too. I, 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 hate, to, I hate to point at you and tell you you need to do this thing. And maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have time. Maybe it's really not possible. If it's at all on your heart, run for something local. Maybe it's state rep if you want to go a little higher, but run for your school board. I don't care what you know. I don't care what you don't know. You need to run the people on your school board, off your school board, almost undoubtedly. The left is in the schools for a reason, and it's not there just because they love kids. They're there to make sure your kids think like them. You get there to make sure your kids and everyone else's think like you. All right, we're not done yet. We'll be back.
You don't have to hate billionaires. Avoid that. That's jealousy inside of you. Jealousy inside of me. We have to avoid that. You do, however, have to really, really, really care about the men who lead your nation. It is a very, very, very big deal that America's billionaires, our most powerful people in this country, don't want the same America you want. And I call them communists, cultural Marxists, whatever you want to call them all the time, but the truth is this. They don't believe in passive power. They don't believe in just having a gigantic company. And, well, I mean, hopefully everything works out the way I want it to. These are the types of men. And that ideology, they're out to make sure it goes the way they want it to go. That's something we all have to acknowledge. We have to make sure your friends know, your family knows, and we have to do something about it. All right. I'll see you. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information.
The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members, and first responders who die or are catastrophically injured in the line of duty and homeless veterans. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women who risked their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs walks and climbs a year and dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about America's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.